Amen. Well, if you'd open to Matthew 6, um, I'll talk and then for a little bit and then we'll read. But I think I've said this before, but it's so important that I'll say it again by way of introduction that what we need is not more truth this morning. We need truth, but if you're anything like me, you know that the truth you know in your mind far surpasses the reality in your life. And what we need this morning, if, if we go away with some more knowledge and just a little bit of facts in our mind and our lives aren't changed, it didn't mean anything. In fact, it condemns us more when we meet God. That if you're a child here and you're playing with other kids, and the other kids, you know they don't know about God like you do, but you're not trusting God, you're not in any better of a place, you're in a worse place. If, If there's a guy, you know, who wrote a book on the sovereignty of God, and as he's driving down the road, he gets stuck in traffic, and he's just as frustrated as everybody else, what did it matter, you know? Right? I mean, it's silly, but it's actually sad and terrifying. Um, What it makes me think of is imagine you walk into my house, okay? You come over, you walk in, and lining my walls are broom after broom after broom. They're all covering the walls, just hundreds of brooms. And then you look at the floor, and it's totally dusty. You would say, what in the world is going on here? I mean, this is This is weird. You know, it's like thousands of brooms covering every corner of every wall and the floor is dusty. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what it's like to know a lot about God and have no reality in the life. And a lot of people can't even see the dust on the floor. You know, there's a broom up on the wall that says God is a good God. And there's dust all over the floor of unbelief and not trusting God. It's like, take the broom down and dust off the floor. You know, it doesn't matter to have it just up on the wall. The facts about God that are just in our mind and aren't affecting our life, they're not sweeping things out of our life and reality into our life, it don't matter. In fact, they're a testimony to something being wrong. You know, every single one of those brooms is testifying. Something needs to change in in reality. It's not just having it up on the wall. It needs to sweep things in and out of of the life. And so that's where we're at. I mean, that's what I need. That's an, I know that's what I need. And I just want to talk about one area of the life that the truth about God should be changing us, and that's the area of prayer. That the reality, the facts about God that are in our minds should be changing how we pray. And so let's read Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. You know, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very end, all the things I just said, Jesus basically says, He says, if you hear all these things and you don't do them, you're like a man who built his house on the sand. He said, it doesn't matter if you heard the Sermon on the Mount doesn't matter if you've memorized the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't do it, it's foolishness. It doesn't mean anything. And so, all that's just background, introduction to this. Verse 5, Matthew 6. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What I really want to get to here is the Lord's Prayer, but just a short few words on the first few verses, 5 through 6. What Jesus says here is, the hypocrites, it says they love to pray. They love to pray. That's crazy. They love to pray. Why do they love to pray? Because they love men to see them standing and praying. And God says we should not be like that. Why? Because of the reality of who God is. He says when you pray, you need to go into your room, close the door, and the motive to pray is what? Is that God is your Father and God sees you. That's the motive. So the first thing is who God is affects our life, our prayer life specifically, in that it motivates us to pray. If if you don't love to pray... If you don't love to close the door when no one's watching and know that God is there, then there's not reality about God being your Father, right? You can say God is your Father, but if God, if you really believed God was your Father and it was real in the life, you would love to meet with Him. You would love to know that He's there with you. It would motivate you to pray. It's not Jesus doesn't motivate us to pray by pride. You know, there's quotes like, all the great men in history have been men of prayer. You need to be, if you want to be great, you need to be praying. Well, that's that's scary, you know, because you could be motivated to pray by pride or you could be motivated to pray by guilt. Just, oh, I feel guilty because I don't pray enough. Jesus doesn't say, try and make you feel guilty. He's, he's giving you a motive and the motive is God is a good father and if you know him, you'd want to close the door and to get on your knees and to meet with him. If you believe that God loves you, that God has bought you, purchased you by the blood of Jesus, made a way that you can approach the Father, you would want to pray. Period. Whether anyone sees or not, whether anyone knows or not, because God sees and God knows, and He's there. So the motive to pray is who God is. Who God is motivates us to pray. So we see that the life... is overflowing of what we think of God. So what does your prayer life say about who you think God is? Does your prayer life say God is a good Father? One of the things that would be there is secret private prayer and a joy to meet with God. Second, he says in verse 7 that when we pray, we're not trying to impress God. The Gentiles have these false ideas about God, that he's a little God that needs to be impressed or he needs his attention drawn. And and 
Jesus says that's not how it is. That's not what God is. What, what the Gentiles' prayer life is saying is that a man can impress God and that a man can, needs to get God's attention. And the reality is God already sees. And you cannot impress God. That if you're coming to God and you really believe that something is, is commending you to God other than the blood of Jesus, you believe something false. The time you pray doesn't commend you to Jesus. The eloquence of your prayers doesn't commend you to Jesus. The tone of your voice doesn't commend you to Jesus. Jesus' blood, the fact that God is your Father, that's what commends you to Jesus. It commends you to God in prayer. And we do not want the reality of who God is to not be reflected in our prayer life in terms of we need to come to God humble, not trying to impress God because God is God. And God is our Father. We don't need to impress Him. We don't have to twist His arm. And He's not impressed by many words. So what Jesus is saying is here is what we already said, that what they think of God is overflowing into their prayer life, and what their prayer life looks like is not a reflection of who God is, right? They're praying like God is small, God is little, God is not sovereign. And Jesus says, God is sovereign, God is not small, God already knows what you need before you ask. And you need to pray like that. Your, your prayer life should reflect the reality of who God actually is. And He's a sovereign Father. And so you need to come to Him that way. So then, how should you pray? And He gives us instructions. Pray like this. So all this, the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that reflects the character of God. And what I want, the goal... What I would be happy with is if you go away today doing this one thing, forgetting everything I said, that's fine, but I really want this one thing to stick in your mind, so listen close. I want you to pray through the Lord's Prayer on your own and ask God to teach you. Because I can tell you, what I'm going to tell you is the things God's taught me and how He's shaped me and changed me through trying to pray through the Lord's Prayer but I, want you, I don't want you to learn from me secondhand. I want you to go and pray and, and have God shape you and shape your prayers directly, not through me, but through you and Him meeting together, just like we talked about, and close the door, meet with God, and ask Him to shape your prayers. So what I'm encouraging you to do is not to pray through the Lord's Prayer word for word necessarily, but pray through petition by petition, Try and pray what God says. It starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Go before God and ask Him. And just try and pray, God, I want you to be holy. I want your name to be separate, to be lifted up in all the world. You know, just try and, in your own words, pray these prayer, prayers from the heart. And if you can't, be honest with God. Because that's part of the shaping is that I would be very surprised if any one of us here could get on our knees right now and full of joy from the heart pray every single one of these prayers and not have to confess to God, God, my heart isn't in this one like it should be. My heart doesn't overflow with this deep desire to see your name be lifted up, your name be separated in every situation. Lord, teach me why that's so important. Teach me why this is the first thing you say we should pray. And so come before God and try and pray through these and ask Him to help you and ask Him to teach you. Because what I found is my prayers needed to be shaped. They really need to be shaped a lot. And, and what it was like is, here's the, 
Lord's Prayer, the mild prayer right here, and then as I would try and pray it, here's Andrew's prayer over here, and there would be glaring differences and um, contradictions, and, it, and it's like, wow, things I didn't see were off, were off. And so God is cutting things away. God's taking the truth like a piece of sandpaper and grinding off these rough edges. And not only that, he's expanding what I should have been praying. I was praying this tiny thing, and God's saying, no, don't pray like that. Pray like this. And so I'm going to tell you a few of the things God has taught me, but my prayer life isn't like your prayer life, and your prayer life isn't like my prayer life. You might be taught, God will teach you different things than he taught me. But you've got to go to him yourself. So I ask you, if you remember anything, try and pray through the Lord's Prayer. Be honest with God. Pray petition by petition. Tell him, I don't understand why this is so important, or I need help to pray this. Be honest with God. And pray through the Lord's Prayer, petition by petition. Take 10 minutes. I mean, just take 10 minutes of your personal private prayer time and try and pray through it. And as long as it's helpful to you, do it. I've been doing it for quite a few days, maybe a month. And I, I was going to share this last week. And this week, God taught me many things that I didn't see before. And he's still teaching me things. Ryan texted me this morning. I told him that I was pre- uh, preaching on the Lord's Prayer. And he told me something that I haven't seen that God showed him this morning. And I'm sure that's how it will be for you. So let's go through the Lord's Prayer. This is the real meat of what I wanted to talk about. And we're probably going to run out of time here. But the three things that I f- think the Lord has shaped the most through praying through the Lord's Prayer is the first is the scope of my prayers. He shaped the scope of my prayers. So let's split it up. We're going to go through the first half, which is all about God, and then we'll go through the second half. And the three things that I want to say that have changed are the scope of the prayer, the perspective, and the priorities. So first, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the scope of the prayer, the scope of the prayer. If God is a sovereign father, how do we start our prayers? This is challenging. When I get down on my knees, the very first thing out of my mouth is not, God, I want your name to be lifted up. That's not my natural inclination. My natural inclination is not to start there, but that's what Jesus says. And think about what it says about God. What everyone needs. I mean, this... Okay, I'll tell you this. Um, What I found in praying through this, so here's the Lord's Prayer and here's my prayer. As I'm trying to pray this in my own words, what I end up praying is not just our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or make your name be separate, be holy, be lifted up. What, What I found myself praying, and it took me a while to see that I was even praying something different, was... God, we, I want your name to be lifted up. I want your name to be glorified through me. And, and I realized what I was doing was, I was taking the, I had a good desire, right? I want God's name to be lifted up. And that was sincere. But I was tacking on through me at the end. And so what I was doing is, God's saying this huge prayer, and we know it's about the whole earth because he says right at the end, your will be done on the earth, on the whole earth, as it is in heaven. So here's this huge prayer right here. And I'm trying to pray it, and it, I'm taking it from this, and I'm shrinking it down to make it just about me. And I found God trying to rub off the edges and say, listen, 
well, is it all about you? Like, isn't, aren't you taking the essence of what I was saying and, and kind of negating it? Because what I'm saying, it's all about me. And that's challenging. Um, it expanded the scope of the prayer. And what God's saying here is really what every single person needs is to think more highly of God. That's what the world needs. What does the world need? God, a vision of God of who He really is. And that's what He says to pray. No, through me added, just your name be glorified. No qualifications. Your name be separate. No qualifications. Show yourself to be who you are, God. That's it. And that's what the world needs. So you see the scope of the prayer is not if you're like me, you're not praying for the whole world. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for the whole world to start. And I'm going to pray just about who God is and how great He is. But that's what it is. It's amazing. And you could go do We don't have time to go through it. But I was like asking God, God, why is this so important? Your name in my mind isn't like the first thing on the list. Teach me. And I did a, just a word search. Holy, because hallowed, that's what it means, whole, may your name be made holy. I did a word search, holy name. And it, it's unbelievable, all the passages about how God's name is holier. It's to be made holy. It's like all over the Bible. People are praying it. Um, Jesus, Jesus prays, you know, Father, glorify your name. And a voice comes down from heaven. <laughs> I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. You know, there's these huge things that Jesus prays. And you go read through John 17 and you start to see all these things that Jesus is teaching here. He's praying for them in, the, in, his, in his high priestly prayer. Emphasis is that I don't have uh, Jesus is bringing out here. And one is the first, a large scope. Why? Because we're praying to obey God. And the world is not about you and it's not about me and it's not about Lake Road. It's about Jesus Christ and His glory. And a lot of times my prayers are so sad because they're not reflecting who God really is. If my prayer life is saying something about God, what it's saying a, a lot of times is I'm really important and God can help me out. And that's not what the world is like. My prayers should be saying God is really important Period. I'm not even in the picture. I'm just talking about God right now. That's what the whole first section is. So the scope of my prayers needs to be expanded. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not through me, just that's it. God, your kingdom come. That's what's important. You. I'm not even in the picture right now. It's just you, God. You're, you are important. You, we want you to be king. And then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, in praying through this, sometimes I try and paraphrase it in my own words, and one that doesn't get the full picture, but it gets some of it is, your kingdom come in your way, God, whatever, however you want to do it. You see, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You do glorify yourself, be king, rule, reign, however you want to do it. That's a challenging prayer. So you see, when the scope of our prayers expands to, to you know, see an infinite God in view, the perspective we take changes. Because when you're praying like that to an infinite God, are you going to prescribe to Him like how He should do it? Like, there's no question. No, you're not. 
But this is a dangerous prayer. I mean, this is a challenging prayer. When you're praying, God, whatever you want today, however you want to glorify your name, do it. Because what if God wants to glorify his name by making you uncomfortable? By making uh, there be traffic on the highway and, and an opportunity for you to have patience? Or by putting, laying you aside? You know, that's one of the things that I noticed when I was praying, your will be done through me is I had myself way too big in my mind and in my prayers, and God needed to be big. And so what if I just pray, God, you glorify yourself. You can use me if you want, but if I fall tomorrow in the bathtub, hit my head, and I never talk again, that's okay because you are God, and it's not about me. It's about you and your glory. And that's a dangerous prayer because what happens is if you really get before God on your knees and you say, God, I want whatever you want today, when things go the way that you don't want, you, it comes back into your mind and you have to say, I'm either going to rebel and say, I didn't mean what I said, or I'm going to submit and say, God, your, per, your way is perfect and I don't know what's best. And that's hard. But it's something we need every day. I mean, this is a daily prayer. And I find that when I do that, in the mornings, when I submit my will to God, things change. <laughs> things that, that I normally wouldn't even notice come like a tsunami hit me, right? Like, I'll give you an example from this week. We needed some curtains to block out the light from my for my daughter's sleep because the time changed. There's light coming in the window. She's all distracted. And so I go to get the curtains. I get the wrong curtains. And just, uh, you know, I'm just a creature. Make mistakes all the time. I get the wrong curtains. And I get all bent out of shape because if I had bought the other curtains, I would have saved $2, you know, but I got the wrong curtains. And now we have to get, and I'm all bent out of shape. And God hit me with like a ton of bricks. You remember what you prayed this morning? You prayed, your will be done. And now you're all been out of shape. What is your attitude saying about who I am right now? My attitude was saying that the world, what matters in the world is that I perform well and, and my bank account matters and not that God is glorified and that God is what matters most. And it was humbling, you know. But... Well, that's what we want, isn't it? God's will to be done on earth, however he wants to do it. And ultimately, what we're really praying is, God, we want you to come and be king. We want sin to be done. We want abortion to be done. We want all the wicked things in the world to be cast out. And we want uh, the kingdom of God on earth. We want, we want eternity here. But that starts with me humbling myself and saying, your will be done, because that that big scope changes our perspective. And my perspective is just I'm a little person and I'm not God and I can submit to him. And that's my priority, right? Changes the scope. As the scope changes, our perspective changes and our priorities change. Because when you see a big God and you see how small you are, you can't put yourself first as a priority. It's just not possible. You, if you're seeing anything rightly, as the scope and the perspective change, the priorities change. And my priority should not be my comfort today or my ease or whatever. My priority is God and His glory and His kingdom and what He, sin being done, all these things that God sets as the priority. And that is what we want in our prayers. So the scope changes, the perspective changes, and the priorities change. 
We put God first. God is big and we're small. Well, there's a lot left, but I'm going to try and go through it really fast. Um, The second half of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The same three things, God changes the scope of our prayers, the perspective, and the priorities of our prayers. First is, as I was praying through the Lord's Prayer, I thought, God, I would have thought there would have been one thing in here about others, like God save others or God you know, help others or whatever, and God hit me like a ton of bricks. The whole second half is about others. It's not one little line like me, 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 me. It's our, 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 our. And so it's all about or us, 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 us. And so the whole thing is about others. It's not one line you tag on at the end. He's saying this whole second half is about others. And so when I started to try to pray through this, what I found myself always catching myself saying is, give me my daily bread. Forgive me my sins and lead me not into temptation. Jesus is saying, you don't pray like that. You're praying like this again. You're praying tiny, tiny prayers. Expand the scope. Expand the scope of your prayers. Why can't you pray that for everyone? Don't you... Don't you want to pray that for other Christians? Do you want other Christians to fall into sin today? Do you want other Christians to not have the provision they need today? Well, the reality is, is my, the scope of my prayers was too small. I was not praying for others like I should, but Jesus is saying, pray for others just as much as you pray for yourself here. We should constantly, we should daily be praying for others. If our prayer life isn't daily lifting up the burdens of others regularly, something's off. It shouldn't be that we pray for others at the prayer meeting and then our whole prayer life on our own private prayer is all about us. That's wrong. That's not right. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Expand the scope of your prayers to include others. What do others need? We need daily bread. We need air. We need water. We're creatures. We're dependent on God. We come to God. See, there's the big God again, and there's little us, and God made us completely dependent on Him. You can't breathe. Your heart could stop beating if it, wasn't de- if it wasn't deriving energy from the food God gave you today and the water He gave you and the air. You need God, desperately need God. You're a creature. Humble yourself before God and acknowledge your dependence on Him and do it f- at- corporately. Say, I need it. Everyone needs it. Lord, we're dependent on You. Provide for us today. Here's another thing I never prayed before I started praying through the Lord's Prayer. I never asked God to forgive other people's sins. I'd never done it, I don't think. But that's what Jesus commands us to do here. The fa- the, it's unbelievable that we, I, get, I bet all of us have this prayer memorized. Almost all of us. But I wonder if I ask you, did you confess other people's sins in, this last year? I hadn't. I wasn't regularly saying, God, forgive other people's sins. But that's what Jesus tells us to do in this second part. He says, forgive us our debts. He's saying that we should be confessing sin, not just us, but corporately. And what I found is as the scope of my prayer expands, the perspective changed, my perspective changed. And love, I felt that this helped me to love people more than almost anything else that I've done in the last few months. Um, As I confess sin corporately, it put me and you and everyone else in the same bucket of fallen, frail humanity, sinful. We cannot see. I have faults that you probably see. I want you to confess those to God for me. And, and as you do that, 
I believe God will knit our hearts together in love because you have faults, I have faults, and as I'm confessing the faults, our faults corporately, I find that those little things don't just come into my mind, oh, so-and-so was inconsiderate here, and I wouldn't have done it that way. I Instead, I'm saying, God, I've got lots of things that I wish were different in my life, and I've got sins, I know I've got sins, we've all got sins. Lord, please forgive all of us our daily faults. We all fall short, and suddenly those little things that have bothered me, they're gone. And actually, there's love. You know, it's like, oh wow, I love this person more now. I love this person even though I see their faults. I love them. And the love grows as you enter into their life, care for them. Whenever you see someone's fault, what do you want? Do you want God to hold that against them? Do you want them to be freed from that and to be different, to be more like Jesus? Well, start praying, praying, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive us. We all fall short. We all have areas we don't see. And it really helped help me to love people more is to confess sin corporately. And, you know, this is all through the Bible. Uh, we're all basically out of time here. But Daniel prays like this in Daniel's prayer uh, in Daniel 9. It's There's a ton of similarities between a lot of the prayers in the Bible and this prayer as you start to see the perspective change the scope change the priorities change what's the priority here when you're confessing other people's sins you're asking them to be forgiven asking them to be helped to forgive others again it's not just me you know it's expanding it out and finally you know lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil this is not something again i was praying i was not regularly praying not only for your God, to forgive all of our sins, all of our faults, but to help us all not to fall into them today. Protect us, God. We don't, I don't want anyone in the church to fall into sin. Right? Do you want someone you know, to commit adultery this next year? Do you want someone to fall into whatever sin it might be? No, we don't. Let's pray for each other. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Let's all pray for each other. God, we don't want to sin today. Protect us. Get temptation out of the way. This is an, as the scope changes, right? The perspective changes. What's the perspective here? It's a perspective of humility. We're praying to an infinite God as weak creatures. Help us, please. We don't want to dishonor you today. We don't want to sin today. Please, Lord. We're taking the humble position before an infinite God that can sweep away temptations that could cause us to stumble, that we don't know about, that you don't know about, that I don't know about. But God can do it. And that's what we want. And as that as we pray these things, love comes in and starts to knit, knit our hearts together as I pray for you and you pray for me. So, why is all this important? I, God, if you, God will teach you if you pray through this, and I'm sure He's going to teach you different things than He teaches me. Maybe you're, maybe you're kind of melancholy, you're downcast, you're always depressed. Well, God's going to teach you something different from these prayers than He taught me necessarily. God might be demoting your performance to uh, way, way lower than you have it in your mind right now. Maybe when you fall on your knees, the first thing that comes to your mind is, am I performing well? Did I do everything right this week at work or whatever? And if you don't, your joy is gone because you've got that way up here. And God's saying, no, 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 no. 
Your performance should not be the first thing on your mind. The first thing in your mind, the priority, the perspective you need to take is there's an infinite God who His glories was what matters most. And as you get the perspective and the scope and the priorities right, lo and behold, you can have joy even if you don't do your paperwork 100% at work and you make a mistake. You can have joy. I'll give you another example. For me, preparing the sermon. What if, what if nobody's helped? What if I'm pouring my heart out to you and nobody's helped? Is that okay? Or am I going to go home and lie in my bed discouraged because I didn't preach the best sermon? Well, if I take the perspective that Jesus is telling me to, uh, to take, then I can go home with joy and lie in my bed knowing God is glorifying himself in whatever way he wants to do it. If he wants to humble me to do it, praise the Lord. If he wants to use me, praise the Lord. Either way, God is glorified. Whether Charles' sermon blows everyone out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes and everybody's weeping, can I rejoice and praise God or am I going to be thinking about, oh, my sermon wasn't that good? Well, the reality is if, if my perspective is here in this tiny bubble, I'm going to be discouraged basically 99% of the time because the reality is I don't see somebody converted every day. I don't see God's kingdom sweeping in in my tiny life every day. But if I have the big perspective... I can have joy. I can lie in my bed at night and close my eyes and weep with joy that somebody somewhere turned from sin to see Jesus Christ as a treasure worth leaving everything for. And I don't even have to know their name. And I can have joy regardless of, of me and my little bubble here. And that's how we ought to pray. And that's how I want you to pray. And that's how Jesus is teaching us to pray. And joy will fill your life. It will, because your perspectives are right. Your priorities are right. And God is big, and, and we're not taking this um, way too far on where we, we ought to be. So, uh, I'll just try and conclude here. We want reality. We don't want to know God is sovereign. We want to live like God is sovereign. We want to pray like God is sovereign. We don't want to know God is good. We want to live and pray like God is good. We don't want to just know that Jesus is, has supremacy. We want to live and pray like that. Yeah. And as we do, love, joy, peace, these things will fill our hearts and minds and, and, and God will shape our prayers and the perspective of our lives through it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the Lord's Prayer. Thank you that you did not want to leave us to ourselves, that you did not um, just say oh I can't teach you anything on prayer or whatever Lord you wanted to shape us and change us thank you so much Lord I do pray this would help one person I pray you'd glorify yourself I pray you'd be big and we'd be small we want right perspectives Lord have mercy I do pray that the Holy Spirit would fall during Charles's message and we would all be weeping um but Lord, ultimately, we love you and we submit to you. You're God. We're not God. Glorify yourself. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. We all fall short every single day. Help us, Lord. Protect us from sin. We, do not want, we don't want any single person, any Christian today, to be falling into sin or besetting sin or a new sin, anything. Lord, protect us from sin and glorify yourself. Amen.
together back 